With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back on another episode of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I'm joined, as always, by Sam Newberry. Sam, uh, Marquette is 1-1 uh, uh, so far in the Big East. Um, what is your favorite single observation or thing or uh, point or anything uh, that you've observed um, from two games of watching Marquette in this year's Big East? I still have no idea how good we are compared to the rest of the Big East right now. Yeah, um, so, I mean, so basically the, the point is that We've we've seen two games and there's no conclusion. Great. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> we beat a Xavier team that's not particularly good. Um, having a bad game by 18 at home, I don't think that tells us anything about us. We just held serve and did exactly what we were supposed to do, and then we got well, we got our ass kicked in New York. Yeah. And I mean, being the human panic button that I am, um, I definitely. D- don't react the best in the moment when stuff like that happens, um, as can be attested to by any form of social media. Yeah. But um, follow Sam on Twitter. If please you, don't if you like running you around with your head cut off, yeah. like the the sky is falling. Yeah, that's that's basically my Twitter timeline yeah. in a nutshell. But um, yeah, I mean, sometimes we're just gonna have a bad game, and you know, you can complain about how bad the officials were in that game, but. The officials could have been perfectly fine. We would have still lost that game by 14. Um, there was no way that we were ever going to win that game when Marcus Howard goes 0 of 7 from 2, 2 of 15 from the field overall. I mean, yeah, we. I, I'm trying to find – there's a good comparison for this, and it's not like Virginia last year where Virginia never knew how to play outside their own style or play down by a significant margin. Because we've had games where we've fought and... Interesting yeah. comparison. Well, it's not that, but it's like, yeah. if Marcus isn't hitting shots, the offense isn't as explosive, and there's just no way we're going to come back from a deficit like that, especially in front of a good home crowd. Yeah. Yes, with the officials not exactly being the best, um, but I, I don't think there was any way we were going to win that game in hindsight with how we performed. Um, yeah. We just have to play better, and we didn't. Well, so much, so much with it went wrong, um, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, the reason why I didn't panic as much about it um, now, I'd be concerned as to whether um, uh, the uh, team is not a good team on the road. Um, I think that that's the one thing where I'm just like, okay, they played two road games, and both of them have been complete and utter disasters. So that, I guess, is the biggest thing going forward. But at the same time, if Marcus is 2-15 for 15 with 8 points, they don't win any game. No. So if, if, the, if the fix, and not that Marcus, not if, Mar- if Marcus had played well, that game still might have been a loss. But if the fix is that 
Marcus uh, just needs to not go two for 15. Well, he's only going to go two for 15 maybe one other time or two other times this year. He's not going to have games like that that consistently. So for me, it's like, okay, if, if, that's, if that's what needs to be better, then you know, you'll see him like, come back and have better games than that. So I'm not like the sky is falling on it. I do think, though, and Andy uh, wrote this in, the, in his recap, um, the, the three things article on anonymouseagle.com um, about it's legitimately um, okay to start questioning whether Marquette is a good team on the road, which I, sure. I mean, definitely true. Um, but as you saw on Sunday against Xavier, now, granted, Xavier is... The not good. Z- Xavier, I, I, it was really hard. It's really hard for me to believe that that team was a one seed last year, and I know that's not the same team but it's the same program and i know they lost their coach and probably like four players or however many um but uh, that program has been gutted it really it really i mean it's not an apples to apples comparison but it reminds me a lot of what marquette looked like when buzz williams left um now the circumstances are a lot different there but and this that Xavier team would probably still be a lot better than that first year Steve Wojciechowski team. But um, it just, it, it really looks bleak for Xavier um, because Marquette, I didn't think played their best home game. I thought they were fine, um, but it wasn't like Marquette played their A game and they easily won that game. I mean, they won by 18 and like I was saying with, you know, five, six minutes left when it was like 12 that they should be winning by 25 because, yeah. I mean, Xavier Xavier was not doing anything no. at all that was in in any way um, challenging. And I kind of thought that that might be the case because um, they have sort of really struggled with any sort of legitimate opposition this year, um, if you look at their schedule. Um, but yeah, um, I guess... Um, we are at the point that after two games, um, we don't really know what Marquette is yet in the Big East because, again, the one game was a disaster road game where you're like, okay, St. John's brought their A game, and Marquette might not be that good on the road, but we've only seen it twice, so we don't really know. It's such a small sample. And then the other game was like, okay, this is an easy home game against a team that you're not going to really take a lot away from beating by 15-plus. So we're kind of at the point where we still don't really know and probably the next two games against Creighton and Seton Hall will be a little bit more in the we start to really know sure. kind of category. And I would argue that, like I said, I react very, very poorly in the moment. Yeah. Um, once I have time to digest. It was, it was another one of those very emotional situations, though. I will, I'll, I'll you gotta, I'll give you credit for that because like the Indiana game when it was such an aggressive disappointment from the beginning... This was like that very emotional, like first Big East game. All right, big test. Let's yeah. see, can we pass it? Oh, and when God. you and when you fail it so aggressively, yeah. like I understand the the vulnerable emotional reaction well, to it. Well, like so, yeah, like in the moment, not great with reacting to it. <laughs> After some consideration, I mean, it was a team that had just gotten beat on the road on a very very bad whistle by the refs. Yeah. Um, and on a buzzer beater, like yeah, they were always going to come out angry. Yeah. They were at home in a small environment, home environment. They weren't in Madison Square Garden. Right. So, okay, sure, I'll give them that. There's, there was legitimate excitement around the program for once because they had just had that happen, but they were you know, still 12-1 and one at the time. 
and um, or eleven and one, I guess. Um, us being win number twelve, and honestly, they had two bench points. Like their five starters might just legitimately be a problem for us in a situation like that. Like they're all more athletic or as athletic as who they're playing against, besides maybe at the center spot, but they play small, and so they're just playing a different game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mustafa Heron is a good defensive player. Shamori Pons isn't a bad defensive player. So they have the people to go up against our front court. Um, you can't really account for Marvin Clark popping off. Like, sometimes, you know, like, that starting five is legitimately pretty good. And yeah. sometimes we're just going to have a, an off game. And I'd rather have the off game there than at DePaul or, you know, at Xavier down the road. Like... That that loss is going to hurt us a lot less than you know an at Xavier loss will later in the year, or an at Georgetown loss will hurt later in the year. Yeah. So if we're going to get a really crappy game out of the way now, it might as well be that one. Yeah, and I I think um, part of that the difficulty with that game is there's a certain uncomfortability to hostile environments um, like that, um, and when the other team's best player is just throwing in contested threes that like look like only he and maybe a couple other guys in the entire country can make those shots with regularity that really adds like a lot more adversity than it would in in a neutral or home setting because you're just like okay what do we do now like we can't stop this and also i feel like they had to start sort of pressing not not actually like playing up full court press but like pressing um, in the way they were they were playing, um, because they're like, oh, all right, we're behind, we're getting buried, and we gotta we gotta go, we gotta go. And I think that that's how you saw it spiral into the blowout that it was was because of how Pons was making those shots with such degree of difficulty that Marquette was like, I don't even know what what can we do. And I think it sort of opened up the floodgates in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really disappointing. Um, I don't think it was altogether super surprising um, because that's a really tough way to start conference play, especially when everyone is, you know, touting you as yeah. probably a little bit more pre- preordained um, than, not that they deserve necessarily, because I think just based on non-conference, we said this a bunch, that Marquette should be installed as the favorite because their um, accomplishments were most impressive in non-conference, but... I don't know if Marquette is, as a unit, significantly better than like Villanova, St. John's, Creighton, yeah. Seton Hall. And at I this mean, point. it's also weird for us because we're not really used to going in with that much. Like we yeah. went in as the number sixteen team in the country. Yeah, we haven't done that in the Wojo era yet. No, as everyone points out, like each poll that gets more, you know where they move up is a new high for the Steve Wojciechowski era yeah. because obviously he wasn't ever ranked until this season. So Yeah, so like it, we have to get used to having targets on our back again. And I ju- that just looked like a game where we weren't ready for that. No. And I mean, basically everything we did, we shot ourselves in the foot and then no external factors like pawns going one of 35 yeah. from the field ever appeared to give us a lifeline back into it. I was going to say, like, this at the time I was just, I kept saying that everything is going as badly as it can. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, wh- that's yeah. why that was so bad is because Marcus was playing as bad as he possibly can. And bad um, Marcus is not fun. No, much. it's not. <laughs> the foul situation was about as bad as it could be. Um, the, the, um, sort of on that note, the refereeing was extremely tight and 
Um, Made the game unwatchable yeah, from both sides. Super, really. a little slanted as well, but um, definitely uh, super tight to say the least. Um, there were some like it, it. There it didn't feel like Marquette could play any defense um, without getting called for fouls, which is never going to help you in a hostile road environment. You're going to have no chance. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was the worst case scenario. It's out the window. It's done as people on Twitter were saying, burn the tape. Um, burn the tape in that I don't want to think about it anymore, but also make sure you don't let it happen again because that's the second time that's happened. So um, having that happen again would yeah. be suboptimal to say the least. Um, and they have a scenario coming up um, on Wednesday where, where that might that you know could happen again. I really I really yeah. hope not. Well, Creighton's an enigma of a team too. So Creighton I guess, is a weird team. I say shifting our focus here from what has happened to what yeah. will happen. Um, Marquette travels. So we are recording this on Tuesday. Um, what is it? Today's the eighth. Yeah, I, I, I don't do dates well anymore. I have a watch. Come on. Yep, it's, it's the eighth. Good yep. job, Sam. Um, so, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the 8th. On Wednesday the 9th, Marquette travels to Omaha, somewhere in middle America. Um, Flyover country. To play the Creighton Blue Jays, who have a, a fairly hard-fought win at the dunk over Providence under their belt, and then an enigma of a blowout loss to Butler, who hasn't looked good yet. Yeah. Um. The Big East is a mess. It's really yes. hard to say, like, what, who is good and who is bad at this point. Yeah. And so, I mean... It's not. What do they call this arena now? The Chai Hill it, Center. I think it's the, the C- uh, CHI. Is it not CenturyLink? No. No, they just changed it. They just did. Okay. It is the CHI Health Center Omaha. Oh, that's such a terrible name. Yeah, but uh, I mean Creighton historically tough at home. Besides the weird outlier that was the Andrew Rousey game, I think what was it last year. Like, the did game right after Mo Watson. Did we win at Creighton last year? Did we really? I think we have, like, somehow found success against Creighton. They, they've had two really weird we did injuries. did win at Creighton, yeah. That's right. But, like, I think... February I was, 17th, 2018. I wanted, we won at Creighton. How much did Rousey put up in that game? Because I feel like it was, like, a stupid amount. It was 21. But, okay. No, oh, that was the big that was the big sack game. Um, yeah. 26 points for Sakar. Oh, right. Okay, there you uh, go. That was the... Yeah. That so the last game. the last two years Marquette has won in Omaha. Um, really? Did we win in sixteen? Yeah, because that was right after Watson got hurt. Not Watson. Yes, Watson. Yeah. Yes, because Marcus Foster was the one that got hurt last year. Y- yes. Did he get hurt or did which he... one got in legal trouble? Watson. Okay. Because it was like right after he got hurt, and then right. the legal trouble yes. happened. Yeah. But um, wow, we have won at Creighton the last two years. Yeah. That's actually really impressive for a couple so, of teams that aren't yeah. regarded as being that great. Creighton just lost Jacob Epperson for the year. Oh, really? Yeah, to a, an injury. I, he hadn't been playing, right? He had been a little bit. He, um, I, he was definitely behind. Yeah. Uh, I can never say. Is it Cromp? It's Crumple, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, Crumple. Yeah. So he's been. I, yeah. I saw. I saw. I heard that pronounced the other day, and I was like, that does not look like what that looks like. But okay. I mean, um, we've both compared Creighton this year to Marquette of the last two years, where their offense can beat anybody, but they really don't have much of a defense. Um, uh, correct. Not. Not. And that's like 
Yeah, that's that's giving them more credit than than they deserve. Um, yeah, but they, their offense is pretty good. Our defense is pretty decent. Um, their defense isn't good, and if Marcus doesn't have an anomaly game, I mean, yeah, I would like to predict a, predict a Marquette win. I can't in good conscience say that because we haven't seen them play well on the road yet, right. or truly on the road yet. Well, here's here's the so, concern with Creighton is they don't really have one guy that's going to beat you. Mm-hmm. But they have a number of guys that will combine to beat you. Um, they have three guys that shoot the three over forty percent. That's Tyshawn Alexander, forty and a half. Uh, Marcus Zegarowski, That's a great name. He's a freshman too, which is nuts. He is, yeah. Um, Forty-three point eight and. Um, Mitch Ballack. I was gonna say it's Mitch Ballack. Mitch Ballack is forty-seven yeah. percent. That is very so. You're very gonna good. throw you're gonna throw Mark or uh, Sakar on Mitch Ballack. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine so because and I don't remember thinking that Mitch Ballack was anything um, too shifty. Yeah, maybe not um, uh, when I watched him last year, but that uh, shooting percentage is uh, definitely something to watch. Um, they have uh, Damian Jefferson, um, who is their sort of stretch uh, power forward um, that starts but doesn't play a, a ton. He plays a fair amount. Um, he also shoots 44%, but it's on a limited sample yeah. size. So Epperson wasn't really playing that much to, now that I look at right. it. Right, um, yeah. And then they had been out, yeah. so they must have just declared him out. And their backup center is Harry Froling's little brother. Yeah. <laughs> who, I mean... Doesn't see a lot of run. Um, neither does the other guy that's sort of been playing there named Christian Bishop. Um, it's mainly Crumple, as long as he's good to go. Crumple only being 6'9", 235, but he it's can just, he can hit jump shots. He can right. hit the three-pointer. So, But it's definitely a yeah. small team. Yeah, it's a small um, team. It, it's a big, big guards, but... Yeah. Um, it's but, also a lot less physically... Uh, intimidating team than like St. John's. Like it's, I mean, it's very Marquette 2016 through 2018. Yeah. It's like with bigger guards. Yeah, but. bigger guard, right? Bigger guards, but just guys that shoot, but they don't play a lot of defense and they won't move you around too much. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it's it's gonna be a tough game because Marquette has not yet shown us that they can play on the road. And this is a team that can, you know, get super hot um, and put you out of games in their home arena. So the question is, um, can Marquette sort of hang around and not get, get blitzed, I guess, would be the way I look at it. The sort of encouraging, I suppose... Um, situation with this game is um the two sort of legit teams that have come to Creighton so far this season Clemson or not Clemson excuse me Ohio State and Gonzaga um both were able to beat Creighton Ohio State held Creighton to 60 points in the game that they brought there and Ohio State if I'm not wrong has a has a slightly uh better but similar profile to Marquette as far as offense-defense balance. Um, Marquette's in the 40s with both right now, whereas Ohio State is in the low 30s on offense and mid-20s on defense. Um, so if you're looking at, at sort of a, a balanced team um, coming into Creighton's arena and 
um, bringing um, uh, a, a, a game plan and, and uh, you know, uh, a balanced approach. Um, not to use the word balanced again to describe Marquette, which is kind of an absurd thing. Not, if you, you would have told me a year ago that I'd be describing Marquette as balanced offensively and defensively, I don't know if I would have believed you, but that's an interesting blueprint, at least, uh, to see a good team come into Creighton and win. Um, but again, I, I really think um, my biggest uh, thought ahead of that game is that we don't know that Marquette is capable of playing at the level that they've played at the Forum um, in other arenas because they really haven't showed it. Sure. Uh, I think, um, so I made this point when we were talking about St. John's last time, where we really need to utilize both Sam and Joey inside, um, less so than outside. Interesting. Um, which is kind of a weird game plan for us because of how good they are from the perimeter. But they're going to be playing against two guys that are 6'5". And then, like, they like it's it's Mitch Ballack and Damian Jefferson, right. basically, that are playing the three and the four. We need to... Like, those guys are 6'5 and much smaller than the Housers. We need to play up to our strengths against them. Um, I'm slightly worried that Sam won't be able to run with Mitch Ballack because he definitely can't run with um, Davion Mintz or... Marcus Zagurski or Tyshawn Alexander, so he's going to have to guard Balak. Um, but, you know, I, on offense, that's what we need to do is run those guys through the post, let it open up. I mean, I wish Sakar was a slightly more potent outside threat than he is, but um, you can't get everything you want. Um, I think we need to really open up the lane for Sakar to get to, which allows Marcus and one of the two Housers to not work inside the and then... the off ball screen and seal that they've been running with Sakar lately yeah is so awesome that's what opened up a ton for him against Xavier um and that was really positive to see Xavier was probably Sakar's best game of the season I mean 20 points is I it was his best offensive yeah, his best offensive game of the season yeah and it's kind of hard to go back and see like what a good defensive game looks like yeah yeah it's a season high for him with 20 points. Um, I thought he was fantastic, and I thought that he was sort of... he was So, Sakar Anim can sort of... Um, I guess the word I'm, I'm going to use is big boy people, in that he's a really big, strong guard who's got a lot of collegiate experience, so he can kind of, you know, assert his will physically. Yeah. And I felt like he definitely did that um, against Xavier. Um, to your point about the Housers, um, first of all, I'm okay with Sam Hauser taking it easy on shooting threes for a little while. I know, I know that Sam Hauser is like a fantastic pure shooter and everything. He's been in a slump. It was really rough to watch on um, on uh, Sunday. He was really struggling, yeah. and it was like if Sam is struggling and just shooting threes uh, willy-nilly and occasionally turning it over and just missing everything. Like, what does he really bring you on the court? Because if he's he's in a shooting slump, it's hard to see his value. Um, Because he's not a super defensive player. I would love to see an idea where we play Sam in the short corner right now. Because, I mean, like, we've seen both him and Joey can hit the mid-range jump shot. I'd love to see some movement where we 
get a ball in on a post feed in the short corner or mm-hmm. even a, a bit closer to the lane and then give him some form of screen to try and get a switch closer to the basket because he's going to hit those jumpers. And I know that it's – obviously it's not on the perimeter, so it's a lot more compact and a lot less space to set those screens and a lot easier for the defender to get to. But we've seen him hit very contested mid-range jumpers and shorter yeah. jumpers. I'd love to see him, especially if you can get it to where the uh, – like Crumple is just a bit too slow and you get Sam a wide open yeah. look. Or you have Crumple switched onto him, which means you have one of uh, Jefferson and Balak playing against Theo John or Ed Morrow, who should almost like eat them. But yes. so I, I would love to see some form of not just perimeter motion, but some form of post motion or some form of way to get the post uh, defender switched. I would like to see Joey Hauser get a lot of post touches in yes. this game, and I yes. know you talked about that. Um, but if Joey Hauser gets a 6-5 guy on him all game, feed Joey Hauser. Yeah. Joey Hauser... Um, Let him carry you. He can. I don't think we can say enough about how... I remember in our preseason pod we were talking about how sort of Joey Hauser... Um, you know, we weren't really sure what Joey Hauser was coming off the foot injury. So, you know... It, the the biggest sort of baro- um, not barometer but um, potential swing um, for Marquette was Joey Hauser contributing at you know peak Joey Hauser and I think we've got almost as much as you could possibly have expected out of him so far yeah. and he is a legit dude and he's only getting better right and so I just think you got a six he's six eight six six nine, nine. You got a six nine Joey Hauser who can score in all number of ways I think against a team that that has a has a five but not really a, a four like Creighton does gotta get Joey Hauser the ball as much as possible to take advantage of the mismatches he'll have the the question is um, how conventional can Marquette play um, can they play their conventional Hauser's three four with Theo or Ed at the five yeah. um, can Creighton sort of force them out of that sure. by having sort of as many of the guard types as they do? I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of one-hauser lineups tomorrow. Yeah, I could see a lot of one-hauser lineups. I could also see a lot of two-housers, no-center lineups. That's fair. Um, but I would think to a certain extent Marquette is going to be able to force Creighton out of... Unless... Uh, it's Crample, right? Yeah. Unless Crample... Um, is sort of sitting on the perimeter and sort of forcing Theo John Ed Morrow into perimeter guarding situations that they don't like. Um, I think Marquette will be able to dictate the um, mismatches to Creighton as opposed to the other way around because Creighton's, um, they're good shooters, but um, they're not sort of remarkable um, athletic nightmares. No. Um, they will definitely not get a trillion easy looks in the lane from their guards. Yeah. That 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 if that happens then the Marquette defense is collapsed. I think that's, Theo John that's a can whole different, yeah. I think Theo John can stick in this game too. I I like you'd be worried about them sort of um having so many athletic types that he can't he can't hang. I think he can I think he can stick. Yeah, cuz Grumple isn't going obviously very few people can physically dominate Theo John and Ed Morrow. But Crumple is not going to out-muscle you. He'll play a little bit more like... Dirk is a bad comparison, but he's more of a... 
he's more of a smaller, not smaller bodied even, just he's not as athletic and physical mm-hmm. down low. He won't, you know, bang back and forth with them. He's going to try and find his shot, and it might be short jumpers or even trying to pull his guy out to the three-point line. But um, I would be shocked if he uh, gets a lot of interior looks tomorrow night. Another thing to watch is Creighton shot at 26% at Hinkle. So they're just streaky. So if they do that, Marquette will win. <laughs> like uh, it's really not like if Tyshawn Alexander is one for ten again, Marquette will win. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at like what is the reason that they lost that game so badly? Uh, that, everything. That <laughs> the, the everything. But. Twenty twenty six for a team that relies on the three twenty six uh, percent from three is not bad. good. It's no. very bad. And Butler kind of just took it to him. Um, Kamar Baldwin had 28 points. Wow, dude, Kamar Baldwin's great. We love Kamar Baldwin. Kamar Baldwin's a great player. But, um, um, anyway, uh, without trying to run Creighton to the ground, which I hope we do tomorrow night. Um, nice. Good, good segue. Good segue. Great, great uh, work. The game I'll be missing on Saturday, which is probably better for my mental health than anything. Yeah, no, Seton Hall Marquette the last three years has been bad for everyone's mental health. And it was like, oh, it's going to be so much better now that the, nope. four, the four seniors are gone. And nope. now it's just as bad because Miles Powell is amazing. Yeah, so, um, I mean, Seton Hall broke the first cardinal rule yes. of the big east and they they, they did we're the very, thing where they lost very, it to paul we're very mad at seton hall for breaking the one rule <laughs> yeah. that you can't do um, never lose to to paul at, at the same time i'm still scared of them yeah because um, they beat st john's yes um technically they beat technically st. they, they beat, beat st. St. john's i'm more worried because they beat kentucky can mm-hmm. i can i say that mm-hmm. like beating kentucky on a neutral court is the win that jumps out to me as like oh wow that was on can, a neutral court yeah, it was an MSG. I was say. Huh. I thought that was yeah, as an MSG. Huh. Um, uh, I mean, that's technically a semi home, but it, uh, whatever. That's not. For, uh, yeah, they're in New Jersey. It's a little far. Um, not really. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. I the reason the reason the Kentucky one um, it uh, rings true for me is because I just know how athletic Kentucky's guys are, and so. To be able to handle a team yeah. like that and and win on a neutral court, especially when Kentucky comes in with all the the um, attaché and you know Seton Hall is Seton Hall and are rebuilding supposedly. So, but no, and that was the Miles Powell game. And so, really, what to watch in the Seton Hall Marquette game for me, it's just Miles Powell because you look at that Kentucky game that was fantastic. Miles Powell had twenty eight points. Uh, he willed them over the line. Yeah, just that's it's that's pretty much that simple. Um, against DePaul, um, he did not shoot the ball well. Um, he had 16 points, um, but he shot uh, four of 13. And so, you know, if you want to, it's probably not a direct um, comparison as to why they lost that game. The Struce was definitely loose. The Struce being loose helped DePaul win that game, um, but. Uh, you Can we never at, use that phrase on this podcast again, really quick? I, no, it's bad. I'm stopping you there. It's bad. Can I not like Max Struess? You're not allowed to it's, like it's, Max Struess. It's so interesting that no. DePaul has a player that's somewhat competent now. It's Stop like it. Billy Garrett was like the only player that was good for them in like a five-year period. So now that they have Max Struess, it's like there's something to cling on to. 
Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, and so Seton Hall going to going to DePaul and losing um, is something that makes me more confident, at the very least, about Marquette's chances, just because, okay, Marquette's been fantastic at home, and this team couldn't beat DePaul on the road. So it's like, in in that... In as, in as much as the Big East right now is a total crapshoot, um, it's encouraging to, to be able to sort of try to draw that conclusion in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be another it, it'll be another matter of like how against St. John's, Marquette um, got behind early because Pons was just throwing everything in the basket. Yeah, um, if Powell's doing that to them, then I think they're going to struggle again. But yeah. I, but um, I don't. Besides Powell, I don't. I'm not particularly scared of anybody on Seton Hall. Um, not that's not to say Seton Hall doesn't have good players besides Powell, but there's not a there's not an like there's not an accomplice like Mustafa Heron is to Shemuel right, Pons. Yeah. There's not a. I mean, I'd argue it's probably not even like a Justin Simon on that team really. No, um, like Miles Kale, Michael uh, Niezi have both been good. Miles Kale has had a couple of good games. Yeah, um, and. Uh, it's I mean, weird that they have two guys named Miles, both spelled with Ys. Um, then they have Sa- <laughs> Sandro, last name I uh, don't want to even attempt. I'm to gonna pronounce. try it quickly. Um, is it Mamushka Veli? Well, something? they call him Mamu. Yeah, which is very wise because yeah. I wouldn't try it. But um, looking at it right now, it looks like um, Mamukla Shavili. Yeah, um, Mamukla He's six ten. He's built. He's six ten two thirty, but can shooting thirty three percent from three. So, interesting note to watch. I'm um, not worried about anyone's big man anymore, which is so nice. The, uh, the Big Govan East, might still be a problem. The Big but... East is kind of devoid of, like, really solid big men. The, the only two that really worry me are Govan, and your mileage may vary with what you consider Eric Pascal to be. That's um, fair. But uh, Theo John just makes me so confident. Um, now, of course, Theo John continues to be officiated... Um, like um he is oh god this is the analogy that came to my head and i and i hate it uh professor quarrel in the first harry potter movie where he tries to touch you and he evaporates yeah because because theo john that's sorry that was a very nerdy reference i apologize so we've both said multiple times that theo john gets called for fouls because he's bigger than people theo john literally it's, it's absurd like you watch the calls in slow motion and it's like what did you possibly see otherwise, like, other than, like, hmm, this is a big person. I bet if he moves, it's a foul. Yeah. It's, like, it, that's all it is. And it's just, like, let the man... It, it's Honestly, it, it's frustrating because his potential is so great. And I just feel like he's going to be handicapped by the fact that he can't move defensively without getting called for a foul. It's so frustrating. He's such a, he's such a uh, dominating athlete. And he's just not allowed to do anything without getting whistled for a foul. And it's so easy to um, to get him out of games and, you know, neutralize what he provides to Marquette, which can actually be really valuable in certain instances. Yeah. So it's very frustrating. But well, at the it same also, time... It, it runs along with the theme of this yeah. league needs a whole batch of new refs, too. But uh, At the same time, yeah. though, I'm, I'm even though he's... Because he's there, I'm less worried about any sort of average to decent big man. Yeah, that's it's fair. Guys like Govan is an interesting point, although mm-hmm. um, I'm still not worried about Georgetown. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. Um, one thing about Seton Hall, uh, no elite three-point shooters. Um, 
Well, technically Miles Powell, but technically Miles Powell, but he's still thirty-seven percent. Yeah, like um, he's like cons where he's not going to have a huge percent. Like he doesn't rely on it. No, it's not. It's not a. His skill set doesn't require it doesn't require him to make much more than thirty seven percent of his threes yeah. to be an effective scorer. Um, but they don't have that player that can just get cooking for them. They yeah. don't have anyone that shoots it. So if you can take him out of the game, yeah. you, you you are going to be successful. Yeah, and I generally worry about Marquette in tough games, sort of getting buried by guys that can really shoot it. Um, because we've seen their two-point defense is so good this year. Um, and Seton Hall doesn't appear to be able to do that. So I don't get as worried in that instance. And frankly, I won't be worried about Marquette at home until they show me I need to worry about them at home. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> they've been amazing at home this year. There's been um, a couple blips, but yeah, sure. Nothing. The, the Presbyterian yeah. game stands out as probably one that you would say they weren't amazing at home in, um, and the UTEP game, I guess. But there, there hasn't been an absolutely miserable game at home. When a when a solid opponent has come in, they've been up to the challenge yeah. every time. And I know Xavier is probably stretched to call solid at this point, but that game was a walk in the park for Marquette, and it was coming off of probably the worst game. Um, they've played all year, maybe one of two, one of the two worst games they played all year. Um, so it was sort of a high anxiety time where it was like, oh gosh, is this going to be what they are? Um, and it was the easiest 18 point win you can imagine, uh, in a, in a tough conference. So yeah, I mean, uh, while Seton Hall could definitely give Marquette problems and that's traditionally sort of the heart attack game, um, in that you you lose years off your life watching Seton Hall Marquette. Um, I'm not worried about them at home until... Just like I'm worried about them on the road until they show me that they can play on the road, I'm not worried about them at home until they show me that they're going to struggle at home. That's fair. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what do we think about sort of the overall state of the Big East? As we're talking, um, uh, yeah, St. John's and Villanova are 24-22 in the middle of the first half. Uh, St. John's was winning that game, but just called timeout, um, I believe. Um, yep, that is at Nova right now. Yes. Um, that, I would, like, if St. John's, this is this is kind of an irrelevant conversation because by the time you listen to this, you're going to know the result of that game. But I would very be, be very intrigued to see St. John's win that game um, just because... Um, it's a little would, bit more legit than beating Marquette at home. Yeah, it would add a very legit win to their... Um, uh, resume, and I think it would sort of usher in um, sort of the crapshoot who knows whatever's going on in the Big East um, era that I'm very intrigued by because it sort of invites Marquette into the conversation. Um, overall, uh, the Big East so far... Um, I mean, it's hard to say with most everybody. So Villanova's 2-0 and right now as we speak, um, obviously playing St. John's as we speak. Um, Providence is the only winless team at 0-2. Sam's favorite. Um, <laughs> I have finally started to admit that Providence just might Sam, not be good Sam did. Sam did go on the record on, I believe, Sunday or Saturday. I forget which game, which day it was, and texted me saying Providence is bad. Yeah. So that he's come clean and, and admitted that Providence might not be the sneaky favorite in the Big East this year, which was very big of him, and I, I greatly appreciate 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, the Big East, the results so far this this uh, season, everyone's played either, with the exception of St. John's after tonight, everyone's played either two or three games. The results really haven't made a whole lot of sense. Um, like we said, Creighton um, is one of those teams that, hey, they had a great road win at a traditionally difficult place to play. Um, and then they went to another traditionally difficult place to play and got whammied. Yeah. So it, and uh, and Seton Hall is probably the the most confusing one because they won at Xavier, which is you know Xavier kind of sucks, but it's still an impressive road win, and they obviously sn- uh, sneaked the one away from St. John's, but then they go and did the thing and lost to DePaul. So uh, it's real, and and even St. John's um, that crapshoot uh, game they the refs took from them at Seton Hall aside, um, they went to Georgetown and had to go to overtime after beating Marquette by 20. So it's like the early well, season results are just all over. The big one for St. John's with me is that St. John's had like a 12-point lead in that Seton Hall game with like eight minutes left. Yeah. And got put in a position where, like, it's it's different where there was bad refereeing that kept never, like, Marquette was never going to be back in that game against St. John's. Mm-hmm. There was crap refereeing, sure, but the rest were never going to put us back in that. You should never be in a situation where you let the refs put the other team in a position to win. Right. Like, St. John's pissed away a lead like that to let Seton Hall do stuff like that. Yeah. I... Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. And you, yeah, exactly. I mean, but here's... I, I guess the big bigger picture is... It's kind of still the same... It It's almost more confusing today than it was going into Big East because the results have been so weird and contradictory. I think there's still the same sort of consensus that six of the teams are potentially tournament teams and the other four aren't. Yeah. Um, the the four being Georgetown, Xavier, DePaul, Providence. Um, yeah. I think that that's probably still, that was sort of the consensus going in and is still kind of the consensus now. Um, it's... Butler is sort of on the ropes right now, I would say. Of yeah. Really, if they... Who do they have upcoming? They go to Seton Hall tomorrow. Okay. That's an okay loss. If they were to lose at Xavier or at DePaul, um, I think that they are in trouble. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, too, is that... Um, like, I would think right now I'm still... God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I would take... Um, Marquette, St. John's, and Villanova at Hinkle right now. Interesting. So, um, so the way Ken Palm's projecting it right now is uh, Villanova twelve and six, St. John's, Marquette, and Creighton eleven and seven, Seton Hall and Butler ten and eight. The rest below seven, eleven, and below. Yeah. So that's about right. That's I don't know if I would put Creighton in the upper echelon with Marquette, St. John's, and Villanova. I think. It's fair to call Marquette, St. John's, and Villanova sort of the upper crust of the conference. Seton, Seton Hall's Hall probably potentially. Four. Seton Hall's probably four. Yeah, I would have Seton Hall four, Creighton five, Butler six right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just because again, Creighton doesn't play any defense, so yeah. it's like really difficult as we've seen for the last two years watching Marquette. If you don't play any defense, it's really hard to win night in and night out in a difficult conference. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's 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 almost more confusing now just based on um, some very, contradictory yeah. results. And I think Nova this game right now with Nova and St. John's is an interesting one to watch just because it will say a lot about um, where those two teams are at. 
And I think you could make an argument that if St. John's wins that game, they sort of advance into a, given that they've smacked Marquette, they sort of advance into a um, upper tier by themselves. Um, I don't know if the stats or anything would bore that out because they still have the 87th ranked defense on Ken Palm, which is a little lower than you'd like it to be for a team that you're trying to bank on being anywhere near good. Um, but they do have the star power. Um, the question is their depth is not great. and Their, their depth is miserable. Their depth is miserable, and their coaching is generally regarded as not great. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much coaching Shamori Pons and Mustafa Haran really need. They're both really good yeah. players on their own. And Marvin Clark is Marvin Clark hit a three in the middle of me talking, which is all you need to know about how Marvin Clark is doing right now. The dude is absolutely on fire. And, and honestly, just thinking back to that Marquette game, mm-hmm. yeah, Marquette was all out of sorts. But those guys don't really need a cohesive offensive scheme they, to click. They are kind of they're talent. They're the kings of like yeah. play, like roll the play ball ground out. ball. Roll the ball yeah. out and just shoot it. Um, Marvin Clark, um, his... Marvin Clark hasn't missed um, more than one three in a game. Or no, excuse me, I'm not looking at that right. Excuse me, let me take that back. <laughs> um, Marvin Clark, um, his last... If you go back to the middle of December, he was... We'll go back to December 5th. He was 4 of 6, 1 of 2, 3 of 6, 2 of 4, 6 of 11, 3 of 5, 4 of 6, and 3 of 8 from 3-pointers. And this guy is um, not a guy that ever really has... Or at least at the beginning of his career when he was at Michigan... He was at Michigan State? Yep. Um, (laughs) I'm looking at this like, at the beginning of his career, he's at Michigan State. Interesting. He was not a 3-point shooter... Um, last year he, uh, was a 41%, uh, three point shooter, which obviously very solid. Um, but I, I, he must've really struggled to start the year. Um, yeah. I mean, he wasn't really establishing himself as a three point shooter, uh, to start the year. He, but he's hitting them, <laughs> but now he's, he's here. And so that's, I mean, that guy is, he's six seven two twenty five, and, um, he will get a lot of open looks by the virtue of the fact that, um, you know, St. John's needs to, you need to defend like at least two other players before him on yeah. St. John's. Um, and so that five with Ponceron, Clark, Figueroa, and Simon is a very uh, dangerous group. Yeah. Um, that five, I would argue, is. It's the best five in the conference. Yeah, it's got to be the best starting five in the conference. Yeah. It's just they have exactly nobody after them. Right, and one of their guys who played against Marquette for a whopping total of four minutes just transferred. Yes, I saw that. Um, to they did. Where now they did get I, Mikey uh, Dixon. I, I saw Grand that. Canyon. Yeah, that's um, right. I was but, like, I knew it was something that related. It's in Seattle Youth Conference. But they, um, they did just get uh, Kita back. Yes. Um, so he only played nine minutes against Marquette. Well, and he's though. more of a traditional big man than he is. Sort of the positionless basketball they have going on he right could, now. He could help them significantly probably. yes um one other thing i wanted to oh today i learned that the number one defensive team in the country um in ken palm which is texas tech um one of the main reasons they're the number one um defensive team in the country is because Tariq owens is playing center for them and i was like i was looking at that today because i'd watched texas tech play duke but i haven't watched him that much and i've heard all this really good stuff about uh culver they're they're a really good shooting shooting guard and uh 
I just clicked on their team profile. And I was like, oh, Tariq Owens. That guy was blocking Marquette shots yeah. for two years and like being really annoying about it. Mm-hmm. So that was that was interesting. He would uh, if St. John's had him, that would be, be a, a scary, scary, yeah. scary. Like if the, if that was like their if they were like switching Figueroa and and Clark and Simon like in a forward rotation, and they were starting Owens at center, like that would be a really really frightening team. Yeah. Um, but you know, nonetheless, I think that they're thank you. They're fi- a- they're five guys. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't even know how much worse Marquette uh, at St. John's would have been. Um, thank God that game is over, I guess, is another thing. I think yeah. we're going to, like, really... There are not going to be many more difficult assignments than that, if you look at it going forward for Marquette. Yeah. So that's another thing I think you can say is, like, well, that one sucked, but it's done. Um, I don't know. Uh, anything else you want to say as we're as we're moving forward here? Uh, um, I mean, no. no. Uh, I just kind of... I think that... Um, you know, we, we don't really know where this team is at in the Big East because, to be quite honest, we also don't know where the Big East is at as a conference right yeah, now. It's, um, it's really a the, mess. The Big East might get really drunk this year. Um, I think I think you could say the Big East is already at least developing a small buzz at yeah. the very least. Um, I, but, yeah, I, I, again, and sort of the worry about the Big East stuff, I'm not really worried about the Big East as a conference. Um, for them to be this much of a mishmash two to three games in and to still have six teams in on most brackets is like a that's fine let's not let's not worry about the conference a whole lot now all the all the teams are like six seeds or below for the most part which is at like at least we're not the pack 12 yeah no exactly <laughs> and if you really want to boil it down at least the big east is not the pack 12 the pack 12 is an abomination a one bid league um all right i think that that uh will do it uh for today's edition um uh, stay tuned we will probably uh rejoin you this time next week just about um after the uh game against seton hall and we'll be looking forward oh it'll be georgetown week that's so exciting georgetown who um oh one more thing before we go do we know what's going on with mac mcclung uh so he's been back in Call it the the stadiums. Okay, so so he's it was just like a weird outlier. Yeah, because because Georgetown fans were getting really scared, mad, whatever you want to yeah. say online about Mac McClung, um, because he didn't show up for like one game at home. Yeah, and, and he, he wasn't was, in he, an Instagram picture. Yeah, and he was hurt. Yeah, uh, and Georgetown is in a very sensitive place right now, and yeah. I, God, it just really pains me to see Georgetown <laughs> in such a difficult position. It's just God, what a shame. Um, but. Uh, they were getting very sensitive about Mac McClung, so maybe we'll have some uh, fun Mac McClung takes on our next podcast. But until then, um, I've been Patrick. That's been Sam. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next time. Thanks.